What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Evening Alpha. Um, man, we got a we got a good show uh, going tonight. We got something topical, topical, not just Web three topical, but like kind of big pop culture news topical. Man, like we we got uh, a guest tonight that's actually causing waves uh, and uh, rocking boats. And I and I don't, you know me, I wouldn't have it any other way. If you're not rocking a boat, you're not working hard enough. So uh, I'm super excited to talk to our special guest tonight. A uh, good friend of mine. So before we do that, though, word from our sponsor. Uh, we have just launched something brand spanking new called Web3 Comic Con. So if you go over to web3comiccon.com, uh, you're going to check it out. Look at it. I'm gonna actually going to pull it up real quick. Web3comiccon.com. And as soon as it loads, I will bring it over so you guys can check this out. Basically what it is, is we're doing a, we are going to be doing a virtual NFT uh, pop culture event. It's going to be freaking badass. And so it's going to happen this summer. We will be sharing more details as, uh, as they come, because, you know, we just, we're just announcing it's nice. There it is. Web3comiccon.com. Um, all you have to do is come to the site, Web3comiccon.com and hit the button that says get notified. Nothing else to look at. We're just giving you a teaser tonight. This is going to be the biggest Web3 pop culture summit on the planet, and it's coming this summer, 2023. Uh, we're going to have some freaking amazing uh, founders and projects, uh, and uh, we, we just have a lot of really cool swag and, and cool stuff planned. So um, head over to Web3ComicCon.com, hit the notification uh, button. It'll ask you for your email address. Let us stay in touch with you. We will really appreciate it. And people who sign up for the email are going to get first dibs on pretty much everything uh, because, you know, we... we you know, that's how we roll. So you're going to get notified. You're going to know what's up. So web3comiccon.com. Uh, we're going to be teasing that a lot in the coming days. Uh, and yeah, so we cannot wait. Uh, and that is it. With that said, we're jumping in. So <clears throat> I, I have, <laughs> so I have with us tonight, someone who I respect tremendously. Uh, we first got to meet in, uh, in New York during last year's, uh, NFT NYC. Uh, I was already a big fan of their project called The Glimmering, uh, and now we get to speak to to the founder and CEO, Brent. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. It's uh, been wild and crazy times. Not unusual building in this space, but the last couple of weeks have been especially fucking nuts. Uh, yeah, dude, it's crazy. You're you're riding the lightning. It's for real. If you're if so so, what we're going to talk about tonight, guys, just to give you a little bit of a a hint, a little bit of a seasoning uh, on the conversation. If you're in pop culture, if you're if you know if you're in the game space or or just trolling pop culture on YouTube, you've probably seen a bit of the hubbub surrounding Wizards of the Coast and their open game license. Uh, and they they launched their gaming license. The what was it 1.2 or whatever it was, and it it got flamed out, man. It got burned. Uh, and we're gonna talk about that, but. <laughs> One of the reasons why they felt forced to launch this is because of our guest tonight. Because of you, man. Apparently, I'm you're guilty, man. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I got a whole team of fucking rebels that are causing trouble and pissing off publicly traded companies. We might be on to something, I guess. I love it, dude. Over the target. Before we get into the nitty gritty, tell us what is what's Gripner? What's the company? Yeah. Um, so first off, thanks for having me out, man. Love the show. Love what y'all are doing. Super stoked for Web3 Comic Con uh, and diving into all those details. That's just, again, that's your brand leading, right? Just 
charging into new areas, doing new things. Uh, really proud of y'all and happy to support it and Thank you, be man. involved, um, certainly. Yeah, so Gripner is the company uh, and our, our objective is to bring tabletop role-playing games to the blockchain. And our first game world is called The Glimmering, right? So <clears throat> uh, it wasn't really my idea. Uh, I was running Revelry Startup Studio, which is a, another company we have where my job was to come up with, uh, identify problems we're solving, ideate solutions, work to validate those through design thinking and other methods. And we get the right signal, <clears throat> spin out a new company, give it some money, uh, bring in a CEO to run it and uh, off to the races. And I would go back to the beginning as managing director and come up with another business. And the the idea of Gripner actually came from a good friend of mine, a guy named Patrick Comer. Uh, I've known Patrick for 12, 13 years now. We both, I'm from New Orleans. I moved back home when I opened um, in a division for Audio Socket down here in New Orleans. It was originally founded in Seattle and, and we met, we we're building companies. Um, and he called me, end of 2021 around September and said, look, I got an idea for the startup studio. I want to bring it by you, which was surprising to me because Patrick was running a company called Lucid, which probably had over 500 employees offices on three different continents. And it was a, not a small startup anymore. It was like really a beast of a business. I'm like, how the hell is it? What ideas? Like, how do you have time for ideas? Like whatever. Took the meeting. Yeah, right. Um, and he showed up to the office. He's like, look, here's the deal. And he, he's a lifelong Dungeons and Dragons fanatic. He's played all of his life and never stopped. I played off and on throughout my life, mostly because I had an older brother who was into it when I was like 10 and I wanted to be like him. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I had experience with it, but not that kind of commitment to it throughout my life. Patrick's like, look, my two things here. My brother, uh, is the part, like owner and partner of a crypto fund called XBTO. And he loves, he loves his brother, but they're very competitive. He's like, he's having way too much fun, making way too much money over there. And if I'm gonna get any alpha on this guy, I gotta figure out my edge. And he realized that his brother wasn't looking at NFTs. Well, Patrick started studying it and he came across a project called Loot, Loot for Adventurers, which is yep. just a black card with white text, right? Yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. wait. This is, this is all like Dungeons and Dragons type of iconography, but there's no gameplay. Like, why don't you just make the fucking game? So that was what kind of brought the idea to him. He's like, he loves D&D. And it was obvious in his mind at the time that the blockchain is the perfect use case. Because when you create a character, you're rolling dice, which is data. The, the outcomes of the dice roll determine your character's abilities. When you play the game, you're telling stories and you're rolling dice to get story outcomes. And all of that is data that could be on chain. You could validate the, the game outcomes and have really cool art and all the rest. And I agreed that we would look at it from the studio lens um, and kind of run our validation process. And long story short, we did. And I'm like, this is cool. I recommend that the studio support it. We're happy to spin it out with you as a co-founder. Like, what are you thinking? What do you want to get or go next? Who, you know, who should we get to run it? And he's like, well, I was hoping you'd say that because actually I, I want you to be the CEO. So I got totally tricked into this gig. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a, about two weeks after we spun up Gripner as a company, um, the news broke that Patrick had, was selling his company to a publicly traded business um, for $1.1 So he was using this whole deal <clears throat> as a way to distract him from his deal, right? 
which is not uncommon for entrepreneurs, as you know. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. Gripner. Gripner as a company is bringing tabletop role-playing games to the blockchain. Our largest vision, though, is to become the industry standard protocol for all games that want to be on the chain for organized play and to eat our own dog food, as they say, we've created our first game world and that's called the glimmering and we can get into the team and you know, who the game designer is and all the rest later. But, but that's, you know, grip to the company and then glimmering our first game world. So the, the, the reason why I'm, I'm, and we talk all the time, you know, full disclosure, like Brent, Brent super, you're super active in one of our groups and, and uh, you know, we, we kind of really connected uh, well at, at NFT NYC, and you know I'm a huge supporter of the Glimmering, of course. And um, <clears throat> but you know I was thinking about you specifically when all of this Watsy Wizards of the Coast Watsy, all this stuff kind of hit the fan with their OGL, and I didn't really I thought about you guys because I was like you know I was like oh this is gonna be fantastic, but I didn't think about it in a negative light, right? I I didn't think about any kind of reaction to to you guys. I was looking at the news and I was watching YouTubers and reading articles and I read the, I was reading the, the actual leaks and all that. And I was, I saw like, I, I specifically saw, um, you know, the, to address, I think, I mean, they stated directly like to address blockchain NFT that, 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 and I was like, I wonder if they're talking about, about you guys about, about the glimmering and sure enough like we start talking and and in some of our chats and some of our conversations <laughs> and i learned I, I don't even think i learned from you i think i learned from another person that you like glimmering and gripner have been mentioned in these other articles right and and it just kind of all these things kind of hit and what's so interesting to me is like you know first the what gripner's doing and what glimmering is doing about bringing like tabletop RPGs into the blockchain is a stroke of genius um, straight up because we're like for full, full disclosure, like adult fantasy, like we're, we are kind of in the same area in our own way. And, and there's other, there are other projects that are doing that, that same thing. Like there is a, there is a recognition and I think it's because of the tie between gaming and fun to ownership, right? That, that the, the, the creation of the game on the blockchain makes the most sense to tie everything together. And, and so I, had, I was seeing it as a positive. And then I started learning that like, there were like all these hit pieces out on you guys. And like, I was, I mean, you were getting blamed for stuff and I was, I was just crazy. So what, what the hell is going on, man? <clears throat> yeah. We're just trying to have some fun and um, use new technologies uh, to drive a game. that has been around for nearly 50 years uh, on a new rail, not, you know, the Gizmodo article, which I think is what you're referencing, <clears throat> their headline was NFTs are here to ruin D&D. The backstory on that, and we, this is really like, it's truly a quote within the company. It's kind of an inside joke. We always say it's Patrick Comer's fault. That's my, my friend that brought <laughs> me the idea. And it really is. He's just a shit stirrer. So um, I guess like we, we, we formed this thing officially in December of, of 2021 as a company, right? We brought in our lead game designer, Stephen Radney McFarland, who has built for Watsi and Paizo for 20 years, right? Um, the guy is a, a luminary in the tabletop space from a game designer's perspective. Um, great team around, know what the hell we're doing, but we're building kind of in stealth mode, right? We weren't talking about it. We want to do this whole 
you know, build up the hype, pump, pump, pump. We just wanted to go create something and get it just right before we started talking about it um, to the world. And, and we, we had the, the website and development for the Glimmering. We had come up with the brand name for the game world where Gripner was first going to create. That was all in flight, right? When the movie trailer was getting done, all the shit that you'll see if you just go find what we're doing online. And one night, Patrick gets on Twitter and he's like, oh, I think uh, a new hashtag should be, um, T instead of TTRPG, which is tabletop role-playing game, it should be um, NFTRPG. And a journalist, and so actually it was somebody else that was, a TTRPG influencer found it and just started shit posting on Patrick. You NFT fucking scam boys, get the hell out of my game. You don't belong here. You're a grifter. Whatever. Patrick's been playing this game probably longer than that dude's been alive. And then the journalist from from Gizmodo saw it because they follow this other person. I believe is how it all happened. And uh, next thing you know, we're about to go to NFTLA. We're about to launch this website. A couple weeks before that, we get an email from a person named Linda over at Gizmodo, and she she wants to talk. She's like, I, I, they said, I've seen some of your stuff uh, mentioned on Twitter. There's not anything about you online. It's really piqued my interest, given your background, speaking about Patrick. I'd like to talk. <clears throat> and Patrick's an extremely thoughtful person. I'm, I'm less so. Um, and he looked into it, and when he went to go check Linda's Twitter profile, he found that Linda had blocked so he replied to Linda's email and said, really interesting, you want to interview me? Like, I, I don't even know you, and you, you blocked me on, on Twitter. <clears throat> so that was the first red flag, obviously. And I had found out that Linda had contacted just about everybody on my team, except for me, Kyle, who you know, um, Patrick, and I think Jax. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, look, I don't, I don't really, I don't have a sense that this is, you're, why are you walking into a trap? That's my gut instinct on this and i don't know why we need to give a person who already blocked us that we don't know the time and attention we have our own plans we've got our own timeline we're gonna announce our project you, you should know you should know and i know you know <clears throat> but like there's only two types of articles that are ever written there's only two types it's either hit pieces or puff pieces that's it there are no other things Pretty it's much, either yeah. a puff piece or a hit piece so if you go in and you see that they've already like 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 pre-blocked you Hey, I'd love to talk to you. I'm, you're blocked. Like, you know it's a hit piece. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It was clear as day. Yeah. Um, and But Patrick, I mean, again, this guy, you know, I've built a lot of companies in my life. I'm, I'm successful. I've, I've, I've done some really cool special things. But he's been in the firing line, running a company that size. It was global. Like, he's he's got a lot of media training. So he's like, yeah. look, it's going to come out anyway. I'm just going to talk to Linda. It's not a problem. It's funny when the email was sent, the Gizmodo's lawyers were on it. I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Patrick took call, the call with Linda. And at the end of it, he called me. And he's like, um, I think it went well. Uh, at a minimum, I, I expect the, the article will just be fair, right? Linda's not a fan of NFTs. She made that clear. But it was a civil conversation. And I'm like, uh, I hope you're right. I don't think you'd be right. He wasn't right. He was dead <laughs> yeah. wrong. The article came out, NFTs are here to ruin D&D. My partner probably won't work. You know, I'm like, what exactly. is all this? Like, yeah. And you know, to make matters worse, he brought Patrick's kids into it. You know, the fact wow. that Patrick's young daughter is, at the time, she was like 11 years old. And 
you know, he says his daughter is a game master. Why like, leave the fucking kids out of it, Linda? Right. So <clears throat> it was it was interesting. And boom! Like now the news is out, and we're launching the website. We went from being pretty much stealth. I, mean, I say I don't want to say stealth because certain friends knew about it. We had a server of maybe fifty people in it that weren't part of the project. They were just close friends. I wanted to have eyes on it so they could tell me when they thought we were being stupid or being too going too far, whatever. Uh, but overnight, it just it blew up. Um, at least compared to the original, you know, community, it went from fifty people to a thousand. And the cool thing was that about seven hundred of those people, like, man, I read that hit piece on you. That fucking article sucked. This project's awesome. And there was about another thirty percent that were just really. I think Hillary Clinton called them deplorables. Was that the word that she used? Like, sure, they sure, seemed sure, sure. like the, the more like extreme version, left version of deplorables, you know? So it, it was, it was interesting. Um, and whatever, we just said, fuck it and kept building. It didn't really matter. None of it was going to change our plans <clears throat> whatsoever. And we've, we've kept doing that and, and we've gotten where we are today, which is on the verge of, of actually formally launching this entire thing. But yeah, between there and now, I mean, there, there was, I don't know if you read the Twitter thread that I put out yesterday. Um, yep. In August, we got a, a letter from uh, an attorney. I think his name is Jeremy. I don't know his last name. It wasn't, it didn't matter to me enough to, to really want to register it, but it was a toothless, it wasn't even a cease and desist. It was, you know, my firm has been contracted by Wizards of the Coast, the owners of Dungeons and Dragons and, we have serious concerns about your past, present, and future plans, and we encourage you to stop all action while we investigate. And I, my background is in copyrights, right? So I, I laughed at it and just threw it in the drawer and said, whatever. By the way, because I looked at that, I saw that, and I'm sure it, I, the irony, I'm just going to put it out there, man, the irony that, and I, this is not a knock, I actually love lawyer, like not a knock against a lawyer, but like, like the irony that Wizards of the Coast, who 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 kind of, and we're going to talk about this OGL and how it affected, because I'm really curious about this, but like, like the fact that Wizards of the Coast took this preemptive action, specifically targeting or addressing blockchain, Web three, NFTs, digital collectibles, had their attorney contact you, and their attorney has an MF or NFT as their avatar, right. So I was like, I saw that and I just started dying laughing. I was like, this guy's a fan. Like he's in the space. Mm -hmm. Like, Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I don't think that was Wizards of the Coast's real law firm. I think what they did is they went and hired a law firm that clearly has, has interest in blockchain and web three. Mm. And the reason the guy didn't write a letter with teeth in it saying, we're going to sue you if you don't stop now was because he understood enough, and I'm speculating, I don't know what Jeremy's, what's really in his legal mind, but I would assume that a lawyer of that caliber, and he's smart, I follow him, and I can read his other shit, like, he knows what he's talking about. The reason he didn't write a letter that was a cease and desist is because he looked at what we were doing, he looked at the the current open gaming license that WotC has issued for the last 20 years, and he's like, these people are paying me a lot of money to threaten a guy when they have no case against his company. Right, um, so this, and this is, this is what get gets on about it. This is what gets me because that's a brilliant, that's a great point. And that, and like, and again, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. Like, but I, I've read enough contracts and and I've played D and D long enough. I've read the OGL. Um, it's really open. There's a million companies that use it. Um, it's it's been around for a long time, right? And and 
you're not doing you you are not doing or have you as far as i can tell from from playing both dnd and playing in the glimmering universe you're not doing anything that any other company hasn't done the only the only difference is that is blockchain and not like your own paper module in a in a bound hardbound book that you're selling at a at a at a game shop i mean fundamentally the technology is a difference the innovation right um, and one of the things that, again, I, I don't, I've not talked to anybody at Watsi, so I don't really know, <clears throat> but my, my assessment is this, the way that we're building our protocol enables any game designer to come create and to receive fair payment and remuneration for their, their work. So not just getting paid to actually create a game module, but being able to get a royalty whenever, whenever somebody plays it. And the tabletop role-playing game industry is pretty well known for underpaying their talent because where else are you going to go to get a fucking job? There's not right. that many companies in the tabletop role-playing space. Um, and because of that, if they want to pay you a really, you know, smaller wage, they can. Because if you want a career, where else are you going to go, right? Um, so the idea of having a venture-backed company that wants to use technologies and enable creators to come in and the market to reward them for their work. And, you know, candidly, their CEO was on record saying D&D is under-monetized. That's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And they're looking at their investment in D&D beyond 46 million. <clears throat> they're looking at the investments they're making in their virtual table not mm -hmm. to compete with Roll20. And they're going, holy shit, these young tech companies are years and years ahead of us and we need to monetize it better. And the only way we can do that is to snuff them out. Right. It's not going to work, unfortunately. It, it, it costs them dearly. I think D&D Beyond was reported to have <clears throat> had 40,000 subscribers cancel. Yep. Illusion or did I stun you? Yeah, it's crazy. You, by the way, you might want to find it, uh, your uh, internet is cracking up a little bit. Is it getting but, cracked up? All right, let yeah, me get yeah, a little yeah. bit closer to the main signal. If that's okay with y'all. No, yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, it's gonna take me a second. I <clears throat> live broadcast and all. Here we are. Yeah, no worries. Forty thousand. Yeah, it's what's crazy to me too is like, and, and this is this is what drives me nuts. Is like you got hit, and you're you're kind of getting like this weird partial blame for this, um, almost as like a side piece blame. When the reality is, and the truth is, like, like, I, I look, I, you never, I, I understand from a business perspective why, why Watsi and Dean needs to monetize D and D. Like, I, I get it, right? But, yeah, but it's got to be. It's the biggest. I do not understand for the life of me. Like this person, the woman who who is running this company, I do not understand for the life of me. And granted, I'm, I'm not there. I don't know what's behind the scenes. Maybe there's a good reason for it. But like. Why would you do this now, like before the freaking biggest blockbuster movie comes out that you've ever had for like you lost 40,000 subs to your subscription service? And those are 40,000. What? Let's say 20,000 of those people decide not to see the movie because you've just fought. They've had it with you. Right. Like, like you've just spiked a blockbuster <clears throat> movie. Like, if you want to piss people off or take a shot, do it after the box office. <laughs> you would think. You like, would think. 
can we do this please later like imagine being paramount pictures who i think is the one that actually did the deal with watsi to create that movie imagine you you, whatever we had to spend on licensing to get access to their ip and their brand then the 50 plus million dollars it takes to create a blockbuster movie it's probably more than that you know better than i do given your background yeah and then the the partner you have literally just not only shoots himself in the foot but they show up with a shotgun and blow 40 million people in the face that's the that's the amount of people that play dt i would i would be i would be lawyering up just on that if i was there's been some time i have no doubt behind the scenes there's been some conversations like i do not like talk about a massive blunder uh, to, to not even don't even sweat this man you should know who who works with you like especially here, here's the thing and this, this is a positive not a negative the positive is that so many people love D and that they actually did a good job in that those a lot of those people that really love that property work at wizards of the coast you would be amazed at how many people that don't give a crap about whatever the company puts out actually works at the company. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about Wizards of the Coast. I'm talking about DC, Marvel, you name any company. Any company, I think as a fan, you have this idea that everybody that works at the company is a fan of the product. And it's mm-hmm. not the case. Half, most of them don't give two shits about it. Most of them never picked up the product in the first place. They've never even read a, 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 a playbook uh, or a or a character sheet or a comic, let alone let alone they, they don't know anything about this. So so it's clear that this was a decision that was kind of in line with that. And it was also clear that instead of having and maybe they had internal discussions about it, like if I saw this, and and I don't know, I'm also I'm also kind of a, a, a crazy person that doesn't like give too sh- like I'm gonna state my mind, but like I would feel obligated as an employee. To come come up with this paper and be like, hey, so, hi, boss lady, um, can we just do this after the movie because th- this is going to be a, a problem. Now maybe mm. someone did that. People get fired a lot of times for that. Like you get shot, mm. messenger. But but certainly there was at least some kind of feeling of we can't tell upper management. We have to put this in the public. Uh, it just it just got smoked, man. And, and so, so I, I also want to commend you, man. Like, and this is legit. Like, I read, I read the blog post that you posted on Medium. Um, uh, it was a mile long, and it was clearly it was written written from your perspective, but also like it was clearly pushed through legal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I know I recognize that you're in a position, especially when you're writing about this stuff right now, that you kind of have to be, and it sucks that you have to be, but like what so so wizard so so you got this hit piece come out and this is like last year but it already kind of puts you as the as the scapegoat watsy man wopsy and, and at least tries to watsy comes out and tries to to use that as leverage to say well we're just doing this because a hate speech protection and those guys over there that are doing the blockchain thing with our mm-hmm. stuff and so you got kind of like used as an excuse for them to try to do this. And of course the whole, like freaking everybody reacts, like they've done tremendous damage to themselves, obviously. But from, from your perspective, from someone who's running a company and, and running a, a, a really cool, like, like doing something really cool in the space, like how, like, 
I, I guess my question is a couple, a couple fold. One, what was that day like when that fucking leak drops and you're like, holy shit, we this we changes everything because now everyone's, I mean, overnight everyone's dropping D and D and they're they're dropping that OGL like crazy. So you have to, and then how? What was that like? That meeting like internally or just in your head or whatever? And then how did you guys go about saying, okay? Here's what we have to do. This doesn't stop the train. We just have to switch tracks. How how, how did that process work? Uh, you, you, it's been a busy couple of weeks, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that. Um, but the short answer is, when that news broke, we weren't shocked because Stephen Radney McFarlane, our lead game designer, <clears throat> built for Watsi and Pies over 22 years. So he already knew that there was plans to change the OGL <clears throat> at the 50th anniversary. The expectation with this, the change in the OGL would be backward compatible to the current one. Mm-hmm. And in the leak document, it proved that it wasn't. They were going to basically revoke the original OGL, which there's legal questions or even if you could revoke it because it's a perpetual license. But we won't get into all the legal jargon. Just go read the white paper for that board. Right. Um, so we weren't really shocked. But we also understood, especially when they called they didn't name us. They didn't encourage us to name us. But then they, people were using NFTs and blockchain. That was never our intent to the OGL. And we've got to make these changes because of those guys. It was clear that, you know, this was something that needed a response. And ultimately, our decision was that it was a, a huge opportunity. It was, it was a softball down the middle, right? Just ready to get snacked, smacked out of the park. Because <clears throat> we knew, because we are in this space, we are gamers, we are builders, um, that the community was going to violently react to it, which they did. And because, you know, my background before all of this shit and before even running the startup studio, I run or I own, I used to run a music licensing technology company. I sued Ted Cruz for copyright infringement and I fucking won. I know about copyrights. I am not a lawyer, but I've made a living helping artists make a living and making sure other people don't steal their shit. So everything we're doing, I have no concerns with Watsi, but because there are, the changes in the OGL were so egregious, as such, um, they would take 25% of your revenue. Well, maybe as a business, you could make a case for that. Well, you're using our content. Maybe you give us a royalty. <clears throat> okay, we could argue that later. However, if you use the new license, anything you create, we, can, we have a perpetual royalty-free worldwide unterminable license which means we can steal your shit so glimmering go make some stuff oh that's really successful great we're gonna turn we're gonna call it the glimmering and put our logo on it zero recourse right and then a step further all the nft and blockchain stuff which it's absolutely a target to us but it's also if you read the fine print it's a target to other virtual tabletops because what you're saying as well is animation so if you roll 20 and you're a dungeon master playing and you like, I throw a poison missile at you, but now Royal 20 has a poison missile animation under the new OGL, that's not going to be permissible. And that's, that's snuffing out competition. Wow. <clears throat> so the reason I say it's an opportunity and how we looked at it the day we saw the news was that we realized, because we have the knowledge of the OGL and how to build these games, mostly through Steven and what they have copyrighted and what they don't, they have zero patents that we can go build this game in our own way and have it still be 5e compatible, be it exactly the game that you know and love, and they'll have absolutely no recourse. So what does it look like for us to lead? 
to go from the guys who are here to ruin D&D with their NFTs to the NFT guys that are here to actually help save it and be a part in leading the community, not independently, but like working with other publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why the lawyers got brought in. If you look at my Twitter post, the Twitter thread the other day, that's what I would have written if I didn't care about, you know, really helping other people. Just like, hey, here's my finger to Watsy. Pardon the middle finger, y'all. It's not to you. Um, <clears throat> but the reason we wanted to make sure that the legal team was involved was because as we talked about how we were going forward, mm-hmm. we wanted to do it in a way that wasn't necessarily, uh, that was certainly revealing of our strategy and our processes and our legal defense for that. Not that it defends anyone else legally, and the white paper even says this, we're not your lawyers, et cetera, but we're just basically open sourcing our playbook. And I wouldn't have felt as comfortable doing that without making sure that I had some attorney looking over my shoulder and going, Brent, you know, you're not as smart or as clever as you think you are. Actually, you're wrong in these places. Like we spent a shit ton of money in the last two weeks making sure that our statements were legally factual and defendable, That's at least for us, maybe yeah. not for somebody else, but for us. That's fucking nuts, dude. I, you say some things. I got some questions about that. But before we jump in, I want to cut over to chat. Uh, welcome, everybody, tonight. Uh, by the way, feel free, everyone that's live in chat, feel free to put your questions in. That's what we're here for. Um, Anthony, what's up? How you doing? He says, what's up? Hey. Dusty, how you doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we got Studio 7.62. That's Avery from Lore Games. What's up, man? How are you? Um, Avery actually is an illustrator uh, par excellence that has done stuff from uh, Image Comics, Heavy Metal Magazine, uh, Ooh, RPG, White Wolf. He did a lot of White Wolf stuff. Um, dude's phenomenal. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, KG, what's up, man? How are you? Evening. Good evening. 2K, how are you? Welcome. Uh, Rageous, what's up? He says, on time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never on time, man. I, 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 I have a feeling that Ray just might have showed up late for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> sure. or I'm me. glad he's here. No, or Ray us. What up? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We're definitely. That's always all the way. Always. <laughs> Peruto, what's up? Welcome. Great to see you. Great to see you. Uh, Willie D, how are you? Late to the party. We'll have to watch the beginning later. Yeah, it's a good episode, man. Um, Peruto says, uh, well, that VTT stuff is in the supplement so they can say OGL 2.0 doesn't restrict VTTs uh, and be technically correct, the virtual tabletops. Um, I guess so it's a supplement. So it's a, it's a secondary or, a, or in some other contracts. They're trying to claim that it's not really, uh, but maybe they're attaching it as a, as a writer uh, to the contract or something. Yeah, I mean, I looked at the, the 1.2 OGL that they responded with after the 1.1 leak blew up in their face. And there's clear language if you go to D&D Beyond and click to 1.2 <clears throat> that talks about VTTs and not being able to use animations. So they might, they might walk that back. I mean, the 1.2 that's out there um, is not, you know, it's not formal yet. They, they haven't revoked the OGL. 1.0, right? 1.0a to be specific. But yeah. what they have done, and this is another interesting take, they released a survey, right? So they say, look, we understand the community threw a fit, 40,000 of y'all quit giving us money in less than a couple of days. Um, here's a new OGL that we're proposing and read it and take the survey. Well, as I mentioned, my co-founder, Patrick Homer, he sold his survey company. <laughs> he knows how to do surveys. So <clears throat> when he looked at that, it's like, wait, so Watsi's going to do a survey there's no way they're going to release the raw, raw data. They're just right. going to take the data. And if they ever tell you what it said, they're going to filter it. He's like, well, that, that's fucked up. We, we're just going to do our own survey. So we looked at their survey and we found a couple of things. One, 
at least in Patrick's experience as a guy who's run a billion dollar survey company, the survey wasn't great. I'll just leave it at that and not get yeah. myself in legal trouble. But we, <laughs> but today we just, we released our own survey. It basically takes those, the intent of those questions. Um, it rearticulates them in a way that is, you know, better. It also adds additional questions around like, Oh, you really hate NFTs. Tell us how much you hate NFTs, blockchain, VTT and animations. And right. we, we released that to the public today. That's and, great. We'll have to share and, it. Let me know. I'll, I'll share it. I'll, I'd love well, to no, I'm going to share the, I'll share the survey, but more importantly, yeah. we're sharing the raw data and Gripner's not doing the survey. We hired a third party company, you know, to be candid, the one that pa acquired Patrick's business, but yeah. they're actually running the survey yeah. and we don't get to control it when the, when it's done, all of the answers, you know, nobody's personal. Find out. All of the data gets released in raw form. And of course the scent group who is running the survey will come up with an executive summary but it won't matter. Like you can make your own determination of it. And that's, if you're going to do an open source game, then the survey should be open source. Um, yep. And that's why we released it. And Patrick just tweeted, texted me while we're on the call. He's like, Hey, I saw that Watsi just uh, sent another tweet reminding people that there's a survey that they've got out there. I wonder why. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Whatever. Uh, going at him. MK says, what's up, MK? How are you? MK says, miss the saving throw versus bad legal advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for, that's for Watsy. Yeah. So, so he, I, I think, I think this is, what do they say? You know, when you're taking flack, you know, you're over the target. Um, I think this is actually a great thing. And I think it's something that has to happen. It's going to happen to a lot of people. It's probably going to happen to us too. I mean, I, I've told my team since day one, like I, I literally, literally, you can ask the team. Like I was like, the hit pieces are going to come. We're going to get attacked. Get, just be ready for it. We're going to be the worst human beings on earth because mm -hmm. There is no other, like the future's already here. We're, we're the forerunners of it. You know, like everyone on in chat, everyone watching this, everybody in, in the, the glimmering discord and adult fantasy discord, like we're the ones kind of putting our asses on the line and taking the flack because change is hard. It's hard to implement and it's hard for established people to, to, they can't change. And there's a lot of fear in people even the, like even in some players, it, like maybe like even this journalist, right? Like there, there's fear of change. There's fear that this thing isn't going to work. And what always happens, I'm old enough. Like I was around with with uh, with um, the the dot com bubble. I was around with a comic book bubble in the early '90s. It's the same. I was you are here, old. I was in New York City during the Silicon Alley freaking um the, the blow up over there like when that came out and like around the 2008 2010 like i've been around it always happens it's the same freaking conversation i remember via when photoshop came out because i've used it for every day for 25 years or whatever like i remember the same conversation like oh this is going to destroy jobs and businesses and no one's going to be able to you know the typesetters are going to like like all the the same freaking argument and so what this is, is the ability for players to finally have ownership of the game. That's all you need to know. For the first time in history, you can own the assets in the game and you can, you can because you own it, you can buy it, you can sell it, you can trade it. And in, the, and, and, and in, um, uh, uh, and in certain cases, like with, with Glimmering and Adult Fantasy, you actually can be rewarded and take ownership of the uh, of parts of the game itself via royalties and rewards and giveaways and everything else. So there is no way, in my opinion, 
There's no way for them to compete. They're, they're, they can't compete. Marvel's not going to magically become open source. D&D Watsy is not going to magically... I mean, see what happens. The minute you come from a different angle where you're like opening, cracking it open and opening up, their instinct is to lock it down. That's fucking Blockbuster versus Netflix, people. Yeah, That's what it is. And so... And so it's over before it's already started. So I, I'm I'm curious. I, I already see honestly, like I know it's hell and it's a lot. Like we we know the we both of us like we know the startup grind. This shit ain't for the weak weak hearted or the weak minded. Really? It is fucking hard. Mm-hmm. You know, cutting edge technology in a bear market, and you're and you're you know probably pre early adopters. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. The, the odds of success here are extremely razor thin. <clears throat> Um, and we wouldn't even choose to do it if we didn't care about creating something that innovates and moves forward uh, the world and the things that we care about. So uh, win or lose, and there's no there's no illusions. And I've done this all my life. I've worked for myself since I was 25, and I'm almost going to be 50 next year. Um, at the end of the day, you have to go be build what you believe in, and that that's what we're doing. And I think I think we're poised for success. Obviously, we've got a little bit of advantage in in our backgrounds and having raised capital and everything else. But that doesn't mean I'm entitled to a damn thing. Right. If the market doesn't want what I'm building and I'm wrong or I'm too early, which is by the way the same thing as being wrong, then like so be it. But I'm not going to not build the future that I see and envision just because it's hard or scary, right? I'm going to go give it a shot and recruit the best people I can, and if they believe in me as a leader. The market likes what we're doing, then uh, we got a fighting chance. So I, that that's brilliant. I love that, and I and I want to dive into that a little bit. Like, like you said something to the beginning that set up glimmering to uh, why glimmering uh, is so different from your traditional tabletops. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, as a as you know, as you bring in GMs and I think players, but correct me if I'm wrong on that. But like, like like as people are playing the modules and doing the game, they actually have the opportunity to get royalties and, and secondary sales and actually participate in a marketplace of creation. And I, I'm wondering if you could really kind of, kind of do a deep dive on that because I've found that the easiest pitch that I've ever had to people about web three or digital collectibles or, or, you know, uh, NFTs, whatever you want to call it, like, all I have to say is like, hey, you know that thing you made that's digital? You can now sell it. Hey, you know that thing you love? Well, now you can actually like like take part in it as a creator and actually have credit because it's immutable, right? It's the easiest sell in the world. Like, hey, that thing you were doing for free, how would you like to get paid for it? Is that cool? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, would yep. you like to own a little piece of it? Like, even if it was just your character that you created, like it's, it's the easiest, you can't beat it. So mm-hmm. I, I'd love for you to dive in. Now, We I feel like, you know, we, we've left we've left the the bad crap press and Watsy in the dust honestly like that's mm-hmm. great keep hitting go for it man like you know do your best let's go like what is it that makes glimmering from i think the the royalty perspective specifically because that's the stuff that i love talking about anyway um like from the royalties perspective what makes glimmering so fucking different than say D&D, Wizards of the Coast, or any other thing that's not blockchain compatible? Yeah, the, the, the simplest answer, it's how, it's how value flows through the system, right? <clears throat> so Grippner's highest purpose is to add value to 
the artists, the game designers, the game masters, and the players that have made tabletop games what they've been for the last 50 years. And the way that we do that, you know, it, most of the flow of value is going to go to those who actually create, right? If you show up and you play a game, um, that's super important. You're doing collective storytelling with friends. That's what tabletop is, right? But I'm not telling you you should get paid 100 bucks because you came and drank some beers and played, you know, tabletop with your friends. Um, certainly the, ask, the, the, the NFTs that you hold as the protocol itself does better, right? And as your character levels up through storytelling, that collectible could become valuable to somebody else that might make you some money. And that's awesome. Like we would love to see that happen. But as far as the protocol is concerned, the flow of value is in like easily identified in a couple of key places. One, if you're a game master, if you're running games for people who are not just like your best bros, like you and I, right. But you're providing a service. Um, then you get paid when those people show up at a table and they they play the glimmering with you and you adjudicate and run the game right so that's value number one game game master is actually getting compensated for their work but on the flip side of that is also the game designer so there's two elements of this right gripner has built the world the glimmering you could and it's an expansive world that's ever growing as a game designer you could come and you could write game modules that expand that world create entire new homelands, backstories, whatever, <clears throat> all of which become their own game content that can be played. And when it gets played, you, re you receive a royalty. The second side uh, of game wait, design- Wait, 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 stop. I'm, I'm gonna stop. Mm -hmm. How does that work? So I'm a, I'm, so, a, I'm a game designer. I come in and I'm like, oh, this world's cool. And I go ahead and I design a module. Like, how does that connect between creating the module and getting re like reimbursement for right, right, getting compensation. So there's yeah. really there's there's potentially three ways, but there's two that we know are really easy to activate. One is you create a game module that other players, other GMs want to run, so they could buy that game module for ten bucks, and right. they can go run just like you would. You go to a game store, you buy the game module, ten bucks, it goes to Todd because he was the game designer that built that module, <clears throat> right? However, every time that game that game master, excuse me, runs that module for a table, the revenue that the game master gets, a small percentage of that is going to go back to the original author of that game module. Interesting. You so, you're, so you're tying, you're basically tying the blockchain transactions all the way down the funnel to the players. Right. So the players, the players are paying with ETH or whatever to get into the game. And that way everything is tracked and then it flows back to the actual creator. Precisely. And, there, and there, there's an incentive here too, right? Because you got game designers and game masters and they can be the same thing. So if I'm a game master and I don't want to come up with my own like storyline in the glimmering, <clears throat> right? Then I, I buy your module for 10 bucks and I run it. And I can run it as many times as I want, never need to buy it again. But let's say that the five players show up <clears throat> and they each pay me, 10 bucks to run a game. So it's $50 and a 10% of that royalty is going to go back to the designer of the original module. Now as a game master, you're like, well, I don't really want to pay that royalty. Well, it's great. You know, you're a game master. You're awesome at leading stories. You know, you're really good at it. Whatever thing you're going to create that kind of like subplot content, spend an extra couple hours and turn it into a module. You can either right. run it yourself forever. And that, you know, the, the royalty piece that would go to another game designer need not happen because it's just your module or you could also go ahead and make that available for other game masters to run as well 
Mm. So it's really the value flows through the system based on your contribution to it. It's not, it's not actually infinity and like show up and, you know, as long as enough other players come in we can get excellent liquidity for, for the ones who were there first. Like it's no, that that's called the Ponzi scheme. This is building a protocol that enables people to create. And when they create enables them to get compensated and everything I just explained to you is very akin to my background in music. Yeah. Because the idea of a sync license, my audio socket puts music in video games and TV shows and commercials. Typically, the licensor, or the, excuse me, the licensee, the TV show or Netflix, whoever it is, pays up front to use that song in that show. But then every time that show airs, there is a royalty. It's called a performance royalty. And it's the same exact model. Now, folks like Linda at Gizmodo look at this as predatory maybe just because it's not in their best interest to acknowledge the benefits of this stuff, right? But the fact of the matter is today, there is no way for game designers and game masters to be compensated in the ways that we just described. And in the places they do sell games, online storefronts, Amazon, whatever it might be, you name it, typically the take rate is if you sell a module for 10, 20 bucks, they're gonna take anywhere between 30 and 60% of your top line revenue. Right. Right. Like Gripner's take rate at a protocol level is 10% or less. Right. I don't know. You can, you can tell me I'm a scumbag all you want, but I think we're being No, it makes sense. Like I, a lot of my friends, I've got a lot of friends who are GMs for Watsy, like they're beta testers for DVD. So they're like livid over the shit. And so like, I guess, so, okay. So you've got, you've got, um, so the, the, the designer can make the module right and can put it out there and and sell it for like your example 10 bucks they get paid that way then when the gm uses it the gm gets paid from the players to say hey right. we're going to run this game the gm gets paid a percentage of that gets and a, goes, piece, and a piece of the piece of the revenue from the the gross sales from the players the players are basically injecting right um you know money into the system for return of entertainment right, right? so a player pays a gm 100 bucks to make right. the math simple, and the GM is running somebody else's module, then the GM is going to get the majority of that money, right? Mm-hmm. Call it 90%. And then the the guy who actually, or girl, who created that game module themselves is going to get a small royalty of that gross table booking fee. I now, mean, do you, does, does Gribner, you said, so So does Gribner also get a take from that GM? We do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Precisely. So, it's, so, so it's between the two, right. Yeah, so it's effectively... If, if the game master is running their own content or running glimmering created content, there is no um, game designer royalty at all, right? So you can take a module of ours like Dark and Stormy Night or Tower of Power, which you recently played as a game master and run that. And 90% of the player revenue is going to come straight to you. That's great. Right? If you use another game designer or game master's game module, then you know, 100 bucks gets paid gross by the players. 10% is going to go to, to Gripner, and another 5 to 10% is going to go to the designer that actually created the module that you ran. And right. if you don't want to, to pay any royalties for game content, then as a game master, just go create your own content, right? right. You can, and right. We'll, we'll support it. And the third piece of this is <clears throat> the best and the brightest game masters, without like Gripner being a protocol, right? Uh, we will pull off the sidelines and give them seed financing 
to either build new areas of the Glimmering itself or to go off and do an entirely different game world. You want to do like a zombies versus werewolves or there's a couple of projects in Super Secret that I know have ambitions to take their lore and their stories and turn it into TTRPG. Our job is to be a publisher and a protocol that finances the best and the brightest to not just build the Glimmering, but go build worlds that we haven't even imagined yet. That's huge, man. It's absolutely huge. And so, so... At the end of the at the end of that funnel, you've got the player, and the most yeah the most important thing right that we're all here for thing. them and we're, and and so what's also interesting is the player's job isn't just to pay to play for like hey I've got this GM and he's going to charge me you know ten bucks or whatever five bucks and we're going to play uh, this game in the glimmering but but they also get the benefit of and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not totally totally sure how the how the how the flywheel works but like. They have the ability to to if they so choose, is is their benefit not just the ability to pay to actually like like jump into the game, but they can actually own the character. They, they do. Can go, they can buy the character because it's not it's not now. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's not mandatory. It's not like you have to own a glimmering NFT to play a, a GM loaded game. Correct. Is it? Or is it? No, it's not. I mean, so there's the Genesis collection of the Glimmering, right? The standard 10,000, whatever. And that's just, that's a collectible. You're getting in. Uh, you can play the second you've got one, which we can get into that later when we talk about the next stage of the launch. But in phase two, you, anybody can just show up and make a character. It's mm-hmm. going to be cool. The artwork's going to look nice. Guess what? It's not going to be as collectible as a Genesis collection, right? right? But no matter who you are, you can create a character for basically next to nothing, if not zero dollars, and enter the system and play. And you know, find a table of game content to interest you. Either book a seat with strangers or bring friends to the table to a certified GM who you know is going to be good at running these games, and then go play. And at the end of that game, whether you own a Genesis collection NFT or if you just kind of created one on the fly to enter the system that's you know quote unquote not as collectible, game outcomes produce treasure boxes. So at the end of the game, based on, you know, if you survived, right, then there's a treasure box and then basically all the loot, the, the sword, the gold, the whatever, you know, uh, potions, spells, those are all NFTs. Right. Right. And some of them are composable, or, or excuse me, are crafting, right? Yeah. And they get consumed. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take this potion and this sword and make a masterwork weapon or, you know, a level two weapon with your masterwork weapon, and like this gets burned and this becomes a more powerful sword, <clears throat> but the more you participate, the more of the, those, that kind of equipment, spells, potions, scrolls, etc. those are all individual NFTs and there's a marketplace. And if people want to buy, sell and trade, they can. And you, however, like that, those economics, it's just a standard, you know, blockchain just, economic model. This is what I love about what we do, man, because, because it's so, it's so fulfilling on every level of, of the user experience coming from a startup background, right? Like the user experience on every single level is at the highest form you could possibly do because for most software products, for most games, it doesn't even matter what you're talking about. Our experience as individuals purchasing a product or using a service is as a consumer, right? Like I have, I have just like everybody else in, 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 at least in this country, like there's, there's subscriptions that I have. There's things that I buy. I've got all these comics behind me, these graphic novels and toys, like 
all of this stuff i was the you know, i was either the producer of like these guys or i was the consumer of like these guys and and because of that we're at the bottom we're at the end right and so the the last really 20 30 years has transformed that process into a disconnect between between the end user which is us right the people that buy the stuff and love it and have a passion and, and are the fans and the community of whatever it is that we're we're a, a fan of like whatever pop culture thing we're in and the corporation or the company who basically their only job is like you know buy product and prepare to consume next product there's mm -hmm. no there's no connection no off, there's no off ramps there's nothing there and what I love about what you're talking about, Brent, is that if you really sit back, and this is what we do at Adult Fantasy or what we're working on behind the scenes anyway, like like every single person in the ecosystem benefits. You be, you Just by being there, you have the opportunity to benefit. And it's not a fucking Ponzi scheme. You have to work, right? It's a contribution. It's 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 basically almost almost like a freelancing agreement or a consulting contract. Right. Because you're like, you're going to put some work in. If I'm going to design a game, that's my work. Right. And I am going to benefit by 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 transmitting that work. So there's a work. It's almost it's not work for hire necessarily like in a, in a legal framework, but it has components of like freelance or, um, you know, uh, affiliate sales or something like that. It's very fucking common is, I guess, what my point is. Mm -hmm. And so you're applying that to every step of the of the funnel. If you're a player, you can you can benefit, you can have fun, you can get rewarded. If you're a GM, you can have fun, do your thing, get paid and get rewarded. If you're a if you're a designer, you can have fun, do your thing, do the thing you're passionate about and get paid and get rewarded. And then and then Gripner and Glimmering as as sort of the the capsule because that also includes people who are working their asses off. Well, they deserve to get paid and get rewarded. And, and so you create like this virtuous cycle, right? Like it's, it really is a flywheel effect, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly how it's designed to be, right? The flow of value. Um, and at the end of the day, if you don't want to add any value, you just want to have a good time, well, then there's a place for you. That's fine. It's not about you need to come here and do work and you just enter the system where you want to enter it. Um, and if you're participating, you're literally contributing to it. And we believe that you should receive fair remuneration. It's as, it's as simple as that. And I expect people to, to play this off off chain. I want them to. So we'll take our modules and we'll you know put physical prints in game stores and maybe make miniatures or um, have digital downloads of of the game modules and obviously the adventure guides and the larger books of all the the monster manuals and all the rest of that stuff. You can, we want you to be able to enjoy Gripner's products and the glimmering wherever you want it to be. But as far as organized play on the blockchain, then that flow of value should not come primarily just to Gripner. It should go to those who actually are creating the value, right. which is extremely different from a lot of companies, you know, in storefronts like Amazon and the rest that are taking anywhere between 30 and 60% of your top line revenue and offering you nothing but cloud service software and a ui right that i i got another question for you but really quick i've got uh anthony anthony asks how do we make these modules i want in <laughs> i'm i'll be honest i'm not a game designer so i would recommend you know connecting with one and asking them what's the best way to do it um 
we have, if you want to go study one, you can go to the glimmering.com right now. There's a resources page and we've published for free um, our first one shot, which is called Dark and Stormy Night. It's got the whole narrative. It's an introduction to the world. It's a really fun adventure. There's some stunning artwork um, and it costs zero dollars. I mean, you know, we, we created it internally, right? So we're happy to give it away. But I would, if you want to start, I would start by reading a really kick-ass adventure um, and let the wheels turn from there, brother. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like the way to go. Galaxy Rider, what's up? Welcome. How are you? Uh, welcome, welcome. MK says, interesting. So those that are good at expanding others' base games, but not good at creating their world from scratch, you're paying to build off their story, like borrowing a hook from an artist. I think that sounds reasonable, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the game master who wants to show up and run content and provide a lot of entertainment for players and have a good time and didn't actually come up with the game time content himself. That's that's quite common. But you do have game masters who they don't work off of an adventure at all. They just work off of their head. And my buddy Brad, um, who's not into any of this Web3 stuff at all, he's just an old friend of mine, he's a brilliant game master and he never worked off a script. He would just make shit up off on the, you know, make shit up on the fly. And a dude like that, if you gave him a pen and a paper and told him to write a module, he could. Yeah. And we want to enable a person like that to, to, to contribute and also make sure when other people leverage their work that they can get compensated. Everybody does. Right? And I, I think what's so cool about this, and one of the things that we've looked at with adult fantasy is that, you know, um, the old school motto of kind of get in where you fit in. You know what I mean? It's sort of like it's if, like if you if you if you are really good at designing games, awesome. There's a place for you. If you're terrified of that and have never done it, that's totally cool because you can still be a GM. And if you're terrified of that and you've never done it, that's totally cool. You can still be a player. And as long as you're anywhere in the ecosystem, right? You benefit. You benefit mm -hmm. from first and foremost having fun, right? And then there's the added benefit of, of actually contributing and being able to be rewarded for your contribution should you choose to. It's it's the option. Because there's, look, at any successful, like once once Gripner and, and Glimmering has has hundreds of thousands or millions of players in it, like there's there are going there's going to be, I mean, it's the rule of 80-20, right? Like 80% of people are probably just going to want to play just to play, but there's going to be that 20% that is like all over the digital collectibles, mm -hmm. all over the GMing, all over the game design, and they're going to be the ones to really make it work. But but what's great is that it's not forced. It's purely optional. And that, I think, is what makes all these other big companies scared to death because, mm. because it's the daydream. It, it is the aspirational dream of every creative person to work in the field of their creative desire. 90% of the people who are in comics when I was a kid were people who wanted to be writers or comic artists, period. You go to a comic convention in the 90s and it's everyone's either got a portfolio or a script. It that That's it. That's it. And, and same thing with D&D, right? Like people love to play it, but but... If you if you're ever like I am, I was in a I was in a, a game room last night with friends of mine who are brilliant designers, way better than I am, way deeper into RPGs than I am. You know, just at, in terms of doing it longer, right? And and there isn't a time when they're not talking about what rule could be improved, how mm -hmm. this 
how how this story could have been better. Oh, this group, this one, this rule set was phenomenal. You guys should check it out. Oh, I'm really enjoying this RPG that is like they sent me one last night that was in a it's a, it's it must be brand new. It's a Google Doc, but it's freaking brilliant. People are making their games all the time, and now you have mm -hmm. the opportunity to jump in and kind of, if you so choose, apply that, right? Yep, that's it. No doubt about it. And the OGL stuff just gave us an opportunity to take, you know, a 20 plus year old document that a lot of people uh, have asked for changes for, for a long time and just improve it. Right. Uh, and make a new work. And for sure. Tell Watsi at the same time, like go get bent. There's not anything they can do about it. And we want to enable all of those creative people. And that's why Gripner exists is if you want to build really cool shit, structure, organized play, and make sure that all the flow of value is is distributed for you know your contributions then we want to enable that and the best and the brightest you know when we're successful we're going to take our treasury and we're going to finance those designers and we're going to build those games with them and oh good it's just a portfolio it, company it, it incentivizes people on multiple levels and, and I'm, again i'm not blowing smoke it's it's so it's such a powerful concept i can work on this I can work on this. I can make, I can make a little bit of money on it. I can actually get paid for my work. Like the reciprocity is there through secondary sales or through, through recurring payments. And then if it's a popular thing, I can actually get funded to do this full time. That's a huge yeah, that's, win. That's it. That's, that's, it. That's, that's, that's When, when we started adult fantasy, it was the same thing. I was like, why? Like the reason venom and I always use venom as an example, because it's not Spider-Man, but like the reason venom is huge. Certainly the character came to power through through the incredible writing of David Michelini and and the art of Todd McFarlane, right? But it was the fans. It was because people, kids like me, bought the comics, then bought the posters, then bought the T-shirts, and then like always were like, when is there more Venom? When is there more? Like anytime mm -hmm. these people went to conventions, it was like Venom, 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 Venom. Right. And they started making Venom books, Venom comics, Venom posters, Venom T-shirts, Venom movie, and all of a sudden it's like a major character like Deadpool. Same thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's like. Well, why not? Like the the why idea, not? like why not? Like why aren't these tokens? Why can't mm -hmm. these be tokens? And these are a share and a representation of the effort that I put in mm -hmm. to supporting the thing that I love because they're certainly doing well off of it. And I'm not saying but, I yeah. it. You know what I mean? But but ten million of us or more did. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Exactly. Um, uh, Galaxy Writer says. Gripner is awesome. Have really enjoyed oh, Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, Faruda says, I've been running my own 5e homebrew for five and a half years, yes. five more years. Uh, and I love making up my own stuff. This really intrigues me for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, bring that homebrew over and let's sure. check it out. Let's like build together. Let's do oh, it. That's sure. going to empower the hell out of that. That's and it. if you want, uh, all you have to do is go to the glimmering.com. Um, one final thing, and you brought this up a little bit earlier, like, okay, so so what is, and you, you brought up phase two. Mm -hmm. What is that? What is, what's mm. the next, what is the the next? So, so I feel like you're going through your own dungeon crawl with the company. You know what I mean? Like, like yes. you're like, the sun is shining and like, you know, you get the, you get the call to adventure and then you go in the tunnel and the, and the evil Watsy beast You've right. kind of like been slaying that and you're going deeper. What's, what's phase two, man? What's next? That's a crazy thing, right? Like it, it's, it's really, it's one thing to 
try to launch a new a new product and project and at the same time to do that while dealing with all the outward shit that we talked about with Watsi and the OGL and legal whatever. Uh, yeah, so phase two is coming in, in March, at the end of March, actually. Um, and to just try to summarize it, it may have happened somewhere in the NFT Web3 space before. I, I just haven't come across it yet. So I don't want to be, I don't want to come across over to egotistical, but I think we're going to do something that maybe has never done, been, been done before and certainly hasn't been done a lot, right? And in phase two, we're going to launch the collection and the play on chain game platform on the exact same day. Nice. Usually it's you launch a collection, you raise money through that, and then you build, which is, that's totally admirable. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, you build for, you know, months, if not years before the game is released. Um, we have an advantage because we're not building a, a, a video game, right? We've The game modules themselves are words on paper. We've already got a number of adventures in the can, some of which you've played, right? But um, it, on March 30th, which I think is a Thursday, we're going to launch the collection. You'll admit your character. You'll be able to go straight to Gripner.com, find game content you want to play, look at the game master who's running that content, look at the other players who have booked a seat at that table, what characters they're planning on playing with, how they've equipped those characters, and instantly play. Same day, right? And <clears throat> why is it phase two? Well, we did a phase one just to make sure that we weren't completely wrong. There's 43,000 hand-drawn art layers that make up this collection. It's not a single character, like a, not to disparage anybody. It's not, it's not a board ape looking in one direction with various expressions. Mm -hmm. It's 12 ancestries, excuse me, eight ancestries across 12 classes. Holy shit. And that's why there's 43,000 hand-drawn art layers. So when we were doing this, my friend that owns Revelry, which is the dev shop where I run the startup studio, um, a friend of ours is the founder of Dustbreakers, a guy named Kevin from Twitch. And he was like, Kevin's project, they're like, when they were trying to mint this stuff, like before they mint it, like, that artwork, and it, it's hard to render layers like that programmatically. And they didn't have anywhere near this complexity. It's not going to work. There's no way that 43,000 hand drawn art layers are going to render without like arms coming out of you know people's <laughs> ears. Right. Right. So, like, we had done a ton of test minting on the background. And we were confident, but you know what? Before we just absolutely shoot ourselves in the foot publicly, we got people like Lind out there, Sam, we're going to fail. Why don't we do a phase one mint that's only our most, like you were here before that news story broke. Like give those people access. And we did. And it was successful, whatever. We minted about 150, 160 of the collection just to prove that it worked, but it, it worked flawlessly. And if you if you go to the Glimmering, you'll see um, in the in the heroes tab or whatever, you'll you'll find our NFTs, right? They look they look pretty special, in my opinion. They don't look like your average, That's you know, great. PFP project. Yeah. Um, so in phase two, we're not only launching the collection, we're launching the game. And there's a, one of the reasons we picked all this, as you talked about earlier in the call, there's a movie coming out that weekend called Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, hero among thieves mm -hmm. so we're gonna ride that entire D, D story the whole way yeah press whatever they're writing we're gonna have an opportunity to make sure that uh the the future of tabletop game is in that narrative and i didn't really expect that to be that big of a splash necessarily certainly helpful but now that they shot themselves in the foot and people hate them and their fans really are abandoning them in mass, mass 
it seems like an even bigger opportunity. And, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to do something really large and special. And it's not going to be easy. It's a bear market. Um, you know, the challenges that every other, or at least a lot of the other projects that I interact with and engagement and, you know, buyer sentiment and just the fact that the economy is not as great as it was. Like those things are not, we're not immune to any of that stuff. Um, but we're working with really talented people like you. I've got the best team that I've ever led. I can't, I don't even know why these people let me be their CEO. Like I'm the weakest uh, chain in the link, man. These folks are so talented and we're, we're getting after it. And uh, if we got to fight some dragons in the meantime, and they're lawyers and eh, so be it. It's easy. We're already working 24 hours a day as well. Add one more log to the fire, right? That's awesome, man. So um, uh, MK says, really intrigued by everything I'm reading on site and hearing. Like others, we have a standing D&D night that we love to get together and venture might actually get my non NFT friends to give it a go. You're sticking with Polygon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're building the Polygon blockchain. Um, and there's some reasons for that one. Like all of the data is on the NFT. Usually that's not the case. It's like the PFP and there, the data is not on chain. Ours on chain, not because we wanted to be like technically, haha, we could do it. it. It's necessary as your character levels up, through gameplay the game outcomes are put back on chain to your character to enable it to level up and as it levels up the artwork will start to morph and change um all the way up to level 20. so it, if you did that on ethereum you'd have you have to pay 150 dollars every game just to mint that data back whereas on polygon it's like less than two pennies right um proud to build on polygon they've been innovating there's You've seen the business development work they've been doing with Nike and like all oh, they're just they're doing good it. stuff, man. They're doing good um, stuff. And it was just the right technical decision for us more than anything else. And yeah, that's where we're at. And as far as your your buddies playing games, we we're playing games. We're playing glimmering content every week, mostly on Sundays. But I'll do it any other day you want. If you got some friends, um, you know, Todd's played with us. We ran him through one of our one shots called the Tower of Power. And come come play with us, man. That's what it's all about. Is at the end of the day, if it's not fun, it won't be successful anyway. It might bake a buck for a minute, but like we don't need to make bucks. Like, we want to build something lasting, and yep. the only way to do that is to build a product that really is freaking fun. So so the way in phase two, the way that you play, um, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because when we played, it was uh, basically really really simple. Basically, the GM had set up their own version of roll twenty. I, I got to say this. I really, I actually really like this. And it was the, you guys, you did something that was fairly innovative in that like, I, I played a, a million games and uh, I'm used to roll 20, right? But I, I found it interesting that it was, it was the first time that I'd ever played roll 20 um, through the lens of, of what zoom or whatever it was. Yeah. We use discord for that one, right? Yeah, discord. Right. So, so the, so the GM is actually in charge of, of roll 20. And so really you're sitting there saying, well, I want to move like, like, you know, 10 feet that way. And, mm -hmm. and I really, it was really great. I also really liked the simplified. This it was, it was like, I don't want to say simplified rules, um, again, yeah, we, yeah, for that game, we, we, level we put one. up some, uh, some iconic, so like basically a level one pre-generated character, right. it was especially for those who've never played yeah. before, it simplifies yeah. the spells and, you know, the mechanics of it, right? Um, yeah. yeah, so we used the simplified pre-gens for that game. Yeah, that was wicked, man. Yeah. Is that is that how, is that the same kind of setup that you're using for 
uh, phase two? It, it, it is, and it's different, right? So the, the play on chain platform, the UI and this stuff is just stunning. It's it really is. I, I take no credit for it because I'm not a designer, but my team, when y'all see it, it just you'll you'll get it, right? So the general UX of it is you connect your wallet, you look at your character, you enter what we call the great hall. The hall is just a window of content. You know, you're running a dark and stormy night. You're running a tower of power. You're running, you know, Todd's tavern brawl. Whatever the the content is, you can see the summary of the game adventure. You can read the bio of the game master who's running it, and you can say, "Who else is? Oh, Brent's booked the spot at that table. Great. Well, what kind of character is Brent going? He's got three NFTs in his wallet. Is he doing the, you know, the monk or?" the wizard or whatever it might be. You can look at the characters that I have and how we've equipped them and decide to book a seat. You book a seat. Let's say the game is going to be seven o'clock when that game kicks off. Uh, you'll be connected to the GM right now in the, in, in the initial phase, it's going to be through a discord. So you'll, you'll get a link to a discord voice channel chat. The GM will be in there with their virtual tabletop as um, you know, a screen share and you'll start playing the game with your digital dice, right? So cool, man. I love that. That sounds freaking amazing, dude. And it doesn't mean you can't play it in person as well. You can. Um, but if the GM's not you know, in your house with you, then obviously they can connect with you and your friends online over, over a voice line and the rest, right? Awesome, man. Um, yeah, that sounds great. MK says, agree. Polly is making strides. Good decision. Um, yeah. Willie. Proud of those guys. Willie D says the one shots are awesome. Played two scenarios so far. Both were great. Yeah, Willie D's awesome. a beast. Beast. Hell yeah, dude. KG says Polly is a good choice. So there you go. You got it from the audience. Mm -hmm. um, Bad Kitty says great conversation. Really intrigued and looking forward to the future of RPGs on Web3. Um, yeah. Same. And then, and then MK is like, thanks for your feedback, Willie D. Good to know you and Galaxy are have pro positive experiences. Yeah, it's really cool, man. I mean, and this is this is what's so interesting, and this is why I love doing what we're doing tonight and, and even offline when we talk, you know, like, you know, I learned so much and, and, you know, none of this, I think, you know, I think it's such a positive thing that for the most part, in my experience, most web three founders do not want to work in a bubble. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't have all the answers. Like we, we, oh, we you know, any of us behind the scenes, like, like it is so much work. Every, every single team in web three, if they're worth their salt and it's not like some shit rug there, man, it is work. And it's hard because this stuff has never been done before. Like what we're talking about seems like so obvious and it's like, Oh yeah, well, of course the GM should be paid and the players should have fun and get rewarded. And, and mm. the designers should get paid. Like that doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist. Exactly. Right? It's true. Like, like it's just the, the conversations and the effort and the work uh, I think I think it shows and, and what you're doing, Brent, because I know just to be able to say what you are saying in a succinct, fluid and concise way is like hundreds of hours of debates and discussions and whiteboarding. And it, it's a massive sleepless nights thinking about it, obsessing over it, really obsessing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, Galaxy says uh, GM David is great. Really makes oh my god, I love that dude. Discord Absolutely. voice chat. 
yeah, yeah he's, he was a lot of fun. We got so many great GMs, but uh, I, I played with him a few times, and he's an absolute blast. Hell yeah! So, so Brent, where can we send everybody? Where, where should like people want to jump into Glimmering? They want to see the new competitor to D and D. As according to D and D, I didn't make it up. I didn't say yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. You know what I mean? You know who you know who the challengers are by by who the enemies are coming after. So, so where can we send people, brother? Yeah, thanks for asking. The easiest way is to go to theglimmering.com and just check out all the stuff that's on the site. And if you instantly are like, wow, I, I want to know more, I want to meet the people, then just click that Discord button and join yet another Discord. Um, <laughs> ours is pretty, ours is super civil. It's not crazy, you know, just like wind, moon kind of crap. It's people creating things together. It's a good vibe. And I'm trying to intentionally build up that culture uh, you know of, uh, of purpose and storytelling together so go to the site if you like it and you want to hang out with us then the discord is the easiest way to do it like i said we're running games every sunday a couple every sunday we're going to add more and more as we get closer to phase two launch those games are free to play we just ask if you sign up to show up because if six people sign and only two show up then the game needs at least three people to go off and you don't want to let your fellow adventurers um, down. Right. So if you want to play, we'll, we'll, we'll cover the costs and we'll show you a damn good time. Come hang out. Awesome. And, and when is the drop? Do you have, you launched the actual date for the drop in March or is it just March? I, mean, I think I probably leaked it here more than <laughs> even yes. in my community. Uh, yeah. That's what I get for having a beer and a, a vodka soda and, you know, during this call. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're doing this March 30th. It's, it's a Thursday. Um, and the week before that will be at GaryCon, which is a convention created by the inventor of D&D's son, a guy named Luke Gygax. I forgot he to mention, that... you actually had him on a, on a Twitch stream lately. Didn't no, you? He, he played the glimmering last Thursday. Um, okay. and if you, if you go to our Twitch profile now, you can watch it. Um, it was a total blast that the entire party got killed. It was a, it was a TPK. Um, <laughs> so we, we killed Gary Gygax's son. It doesn't matter how precious you are. We love you anyway, but you know, you roll, yeah, you're a bad roll. Sorry, buddy. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, we're, we're, we're actually, um, we're the, we're the lead sponsor of Gary Con the week before, which is the, the 24th of March. We fly back from Gen uh, uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, to New Orleans, and probably rest for maybe a day, and then uh, we're launching a collection and a game. Awesome! Uh, on the exact same day, so I'd love to have y'all there. No matter what, your moral support matters a lot to me. This community that Todd, as a leader, has put together—it's an honor um, to be riding with you, Rebels. I mean, it's truly, uh, Absolutely. it's, it's a delight. And I just thank you for all you do and everybody that's in the audience the names that at least you mentioned in the chat are all names that have been familiar to me one way or the other, either from our server or super secret. And y'all are just great people doing great things. And, um, thank you for being a part of it all. Oh man. Thank you so much, dude. I appreciate it. MK says, what's the name of the Twitch stream again? Oh man, um, I think it's just the glimmering. It's like I think it's Twitch. glimmering. Like I, I pulled yeah. it up. Uh, I was looking at it the other day. Um, or yeah, if you, if you go in, I tell you what. I, I'm not on. I don't know what I can do right now. I'm on like some weird stream yard studio or some shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let me see Twitch. You can copy paste it in chat mm. if you want. Yeah, so it's Twitch Stream TV. 
I'm going to listen to Todd. He's giving me good advice. Copy uh, where is the chat? Where is the chat? Right next to you. Oh, yeah. That giant box at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> the giant box. <laughs> <with all> the <laughs> yeah, so it's right there. Um, if you want to, however you would share oh, cool. that. Yeah, I'll, 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 yep. There you go. Posting in chat. Yeah. It's, it's uh, So anyone that wants to find it on Twitch, is is uh, it's twitch.tv forward slash the glimmering pretty easy um also be sure to check out the glimmering.com which is home base hq uh for brent and his team um brent dude thank you so much man i, I was you. you know we have a lot of conversations i love speaking with you dude i learned i learned so much from you man and i appreciate you yeah i almost wish i lived in north carolina so we could just like do it improv like hey Ty, let's go to the bar real quick have a beer i have a <laughs> feeling we'll be hanging out get, in get a i have a feeling we'll be seeing each other in april yeah we will we absolutely will yeah for sure uh mk says plus one absolutely anthony says followed Faruda says done excellent guys thank you so much uh brent thank you so much of course um everybody everybody in chat uh, thank you guys for showing up tonight. Uh, this is important, man. This is topical and it's something that that's changing everything. Um, and uh, I'm glad you guys could be here to be a part of history and, and to witness this and and uh, to be part of the conversation. Uh, with that, you know, we love you. Evening Alpha. Love um, you. You know, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. Check us out. And with that, uh, take care. God bless. And uh, be good to each other, man.